It's always interesting as a missionary because you, you pop into the world of a church and you, you drop a message and you get right back out. And, and for me, I, I'm a strategic thinking guy. I don't want to waste my time. I want to utilize my days for the kingdom. So I say, how can I pump this body up? How can I encourage this body by just dropping in for a few minutes and then getting out of here? And, uh, and so I have chosen to share what is on my heart. And uh, what is on my heart is the church. I've had the privilege of attending the master's college and the master's seminary for three different degrees. I've spent 11 years of my education at the master's college or seminary. And it, continuously, I am bombarded with the philosophies of the church's importance. I, am, I, I have received this incredible indoctrination about this concept of this high-valued, high-importance of the local church. And frankly, for most of those years, I've seen that as a little weird or a little mysterious. I haven't fully understood what that means, a high view of the church. And, and, and it's been a little complicated for me to understand what is everybody so excited about the church, the church, the church. And it's not until recently where my passions have been inflamed. My eyes have been opened to see that the church, the church is the greatest organization in the world. It's not till recently where I've been able to see this. It's not, it's not till recently where I've recognized that the church is God's most prized possession. My friends, I have come to understand that the church is the apple of God's eye. And that I have come to believe that a high view of God's church is essential for all of us, including myself. And as I've tried, as, I've, as, I, as I train pastors, I've come to believe that it is an evangelical essential. It is essential that we see the church the way God sees his church. And I believe a failure to do this is a failure to, to carry out God's passion for us. I've never really seen the church the way God has seen it. And I've come to realize that, that if we are going to see the church properly, we are going to have to see it from God's eyes. We live in a world that is all about one thing, and that is self. This community is a little different than most. Most communities are not concerned with the community. And so when you start thinking of the church, the church is a community. It was back in the day and in the world in Uganda, community is everything. And therefore, the church, to, to be part of a community and to invest in the church is, is important because that's part of the community. It's the permeating, uh, the per- permeating element in that community. But we don't think community, and it's affected our view and our perspective of the church. We think individualistic. We think, what's in it for me? What do I benefit? But I would suggest to you that that is wrong thinking. I would suggest to you that God's heart and passion for the church is extremely important for us to have 
in our hearts. So I want to help us today see God's church from God's eyes. I want to help us see God's church from God's eyes. And there are four facts that I want you to see about the church. There are many I can give, but I'm just pulling out four from a series that I've done in Uganda on the church. Before we moved into our church, we did a series on the church for several months, and I've built a membership packet from that. But there are four facts I want you to see. I've pulled them out of this series. And I want to call all of you to listen very, very closely. Because this message has to do with every one of us. It will impact every one of us. For us who are elders, it is extremely important you see the church the way God sees it. Because if you do, then we will fulfill the role we have as elders. My friends, throughout the world, there are too many elders who take the role of elder. They love the title, but they never fulfill the responsibility that comes with that title. And not only that, there are too many church members that prize themselves that they are members of a local church but never fulfill the responsibilities that God has given them to that local church. And so it's very important that we all understand God's view of the church. Amen? Amen? So with that, may God help us. Fact number one. Fact, first thing I want you to understand about the church. The first thing we must understand is that the church is the most important organization in the world because it is an organization built by God himself. It is an organization what? Come on, you guys. We're going to wake you up, turn you a little African. It's an organization built by God himself. Turn your Bibles to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 18. We're familiar with this passage, but I want to drive its truth into your heart. Matthew 16. Matthew 16, verse 18. You're familiar with these words. These are famous words given to Peter by our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus says, In verse 18, this also I say to you, I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock, what? Upon this rock, I, who's this I? Who's this I? God, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will build what? My church and the gates of hell will not overpower it. This passage makes it clear that the church is an institution built by Jesus Christ. The church is not any organization. It is an organization built by Jesus Christ. Friends, this is not any organization. 
This church right here, even when you hear the story of its mysteries of how it's come together, is a church that has been built by Christ himself. What organization in the world can we say is built by God? No organization. What organization does God take such intimate interest in? No organization. You can't say that God built the pyramids because he didn't. You can't say that God built London's bridges or London's churches, because he physical churches, because he didn't. But he built an organization called the church. We look at Microsoft and we say, wow, Microsoft. But let me tell you, Microsoft was not built by the God, the king of the universe, the sovereign one, the creator, right? What was built by the creator was one organization, one organization, and that is called the church. According to the Bible, God himself has laid every single brick 1 Corinthians 12, 18 says this. It says that God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as he desired. Help me pause for a second. Listen, when we talk about the church, we're not talking about this building, right? What are we talking about? We're talking about each soul that is here. This is where the church meets, but the church is right here. You are the church. And according to the Bible, God has placed every single one of you where? In his church. He intimately is involved in building his church, putting each one of you in his church. 1 Corinthians 12, 24 says that God has composed the body. Listen, my friends, it is God who saves. It is God who goes into the world and sees someone in darkness and transforms them and brings them where? Brings them where? Into the church. It is God who transforms us out of the dominion of darkness and brings us into the kingdom of his own son. It is God who causes us to be born again to a living hope. The church is an important organization because it is built by God himself. If we are going to see the church the way God sees it, we need to understand that this church is God's masterpiece. Friends, listen, throughout the history of the world, God has worked with an or, with an organization with a, a nation called Israel, right? And it was through that nation of Israel that God wanted to make His name known. Israel rebelled, and God says, "Up, oh, let me put them on hold because I want to do something mysterious. I want to do something uh, that that nobody knows about. I want to build my." church i want to take people from every tribe and every nation and i want to bring them together as one community the church that my name might be made known to the world and you are those people 
You are the mystery. Throughout the ages, Gentiles never knew God, but now we know him. And we have come together in the church. That's why we have Africans and we have Asians and we have all these Swedish people. And believe it, I'm Italian. I'm like 50% Italian. That's why I use my hands. But listen, the church, the church is the apple of God's eye. And my friends, God has taken all these people and he's going to take the church and he's going to give it to the Father one day as his prized possession. And my friends, what, what Israel was in the Old Testament as God's special people, the church is today in the New Testament. Obviously never replaced. We don't replace Israel but in the mysteries, he brings us together until he raptures us up. Amen? The church is built by God and therefore is a special people. And if we're going to be caretakers of it, we better understand you're messing with God's masterpiece. Second fact I want you to know about the church why it is the most important organization in the world, it is because it is an institution which Christ, listen, which Christ loves. It's an institution which Christ loves and has purchased with his own blood. Not only does God build his church, he also purchases it with his own precious blood. I want to show you three passages. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 5. All men need to turn here. Ephesians 5, everybody turn. Ephesians 5, we're going to look at verse 25 together. Ephesians 5, verse 25. I love the way it starts off. It says, husbands, what? I'm sorry, husbands, what? I didn't hear that. Okay, okay, okay. My wife told me to do that. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ what? Just as Christ what? Loved the church and did what? Gave himself up for her. My friends, God does not merely love the church theoretically. Christ loves the church practically. Christ loves the church to the point where he gives himself. He gives himself up for the church. He lays his own body on a cross to purchase the church. See, the church is a unique and special supreme organization because it is treasured by the Godhead. What institution can we say that God passionately loves like the church? What organization can we say that Christ himself dies for? There is no organization. The church is God's most valued possession. Look with me in Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says this. 
And you know this passage, most of us, this is written to the church, the el- this, this is Paul meets the elders of the church of Ephesus. And so elders, this is addressed to you. Something you must take very seriously. He says, elders, be on guard for what? Hello? Be on guard for yourselves. And for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you what? overseers listen when god built this church he left it in the hands of what overseers elders begin to understand the importance of that role as an elder or an overseer he says the of which the holy spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of god which he has what purchased with his own blood. See, God has given his most precious possession into the hands of elders, into the care of elders. And Paul here is exhorting them to watch over this flock. Why? Because it is a flock that is special. It is a flock that is purchased by God's own blood. His whole point is, listen, you better take this role serious. You better not fool around because you are dealing with an organization that God purchased. Listen, this is such a prize institution that God is saying, don't mess with my organization. Don't mess with my people. Don't mistreat them. It is unambiguously clear that Jesus loves and values his church. This is further evidence throughout all of the Bible. In particular, I think of Mark 9, 42. Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe to stumble, it would be better for him if he, with a heavy millstone hung around his neck, he had cast, he was cast into the sea. You want to mess with God's loved ones? It'd be better you'd be thrown into the sea. That's why he says in James 3, 1, that not many of you should be teachers because you will incur a stricter what? Judgment. All showing that God values His church. We would never mess with an important person's most prized possession. The President of the United States came and said, hey, can you watch my kids? You would, you would, you would take utmost care of his kids because they're his kids. Well, my friends, listen. We belong to the God of the universe. We are God's most prized possession. And therefore it demands our utmost attention. The church is God's building, God's most precious possession. It is God's institution. It is the one which he purchased with his own blood. What an institution. What a possession. Now, I've spent seven and a half years building an organization in Uganda. And what I've done is, is, is I have surrendered my life to this organization. I left the business world for it. I poured everything I have for it. I've surrendered my wife and my kids for it. 
And imagine me taking my whole life, surrendering everything I have to build this organization in Uganda. And then what happens is I turn around and I give it over to some people to care for it. And then with five years, they take everything I had, everything I spent my life for, and they destroyed it. What would you say? Oh, how, how could they do that? You see, because I surrendered my life to the organization, the expectation is those whom I entrust to it will do what? Surrender their life to the organization. And my friends, to the degree in which I, the one who established it, surrenders my life, to the same degree those who are caretakers should surrender theirs. And my friends, there is the problem. God gave his own life for the church. Therefore, those who are caretakers of it should what? Give their life for the church. My kids have sometimes said, I'm not going to marry a pastor. I said, whoa, child, my sweetie, you wouldn't want to marry a pastor? You wouldn't want to marry someone who's been given the greatest job in the world to be a caretaker for the church? What an honor, right? What an honor. If the church is the greatest organization in the world and the pastor is the greatest position in the world. But with that, it takes our life. My friends, missions is about the church. It's about either establishing a church or expanding and strengthening churches. Everything is the church, the church, the church. It's worth dying for because Christ died for it. Look at one other passage, Ephesians chapter 1. And I'll be sensitive to time. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 says this. It says, and he... That is, God the Father put all things in subjection under his feet, that is, under Christ's feet. And he gave him, that is, Christ, as head over all things. He gave him, that is, Jesus Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords, who has brought all things under his authority. He brought him and he gave him to what? The church. Friends. God has given an unimaginable gift to the church. He's given his own beloved son, the supreme Lord of lords and king of kings. This is unimaginable that God would give to his church his own son. We know one key principle of economics is the value of something is determined by the price one is willing to pay for it right so if i'm willing to pay huge money it means that the that item is valuable if i'm not willing to pay much money it means that value is not valuable in uganda they buy women when you're ready to marry you go to the father and you do a dowry so someone will come and someone comes to shannon hey uh i i want your your daughter I say, which one? And they say, well, I say, okay, well, that one? Oh, she's worth about $3. That guy would look at me and say, hmm, 
what's wrong with that girl? And may deny it because he's saying, wait, then that must not be very valuable. But if, I, if he comes to me and says, okay, you want to buy my daughter, that will cost you five zebras, three giraffe, one lion, live lion's tail, then you would say, ooh, that's valuable, right? But see, the value of something is determined by what one is willing to pay for. And my friends, if God gave his most prized possession to the church, then what does it say about its value? It says it's invaluable. In God's eyes, the church is invaluable. In God's eyes, it's the most precious institution in the world. And my friends, if we are going to see the church the way God sees it, we must understand that there is nothing more precious to Him than His what? Than His what? Church. Third fact I want us to see is this. That the church is the most important organization in the world because it is intimately connected and united to Christ. I want you to see this, and I'm going to go very, very quickly for the sake of time. I want you to understand there are two images the Bible uses regarding the church that show this intimacy and this connection. The first is found in 1 Timothy 3.15, Ephesians 2.19, which basically says this, that the church is referred to as being a household of God. In in Ephesians 2.19, he says that we are fellow citizens with the saints. We are God's household. My friends, the church is part of God's people. It is so intimately connected to God himself, it's seen as his family, his household, his intimate loved ones. That's why we're continually referred to as being sons and daughters with God as our father. The church is filled with children who belong to God. Listen, God sees us as his loving family. That's why it is so important how you see each other. That's why you give each other a hug, because you give your family hugs. That's why we look at each other and have concern. That's why when I come in here, you say, man, how's our missionary doing? Because he's part of our what? family you see this is not a bunch of a bunch of individuals this is a family you are part of god's family and listen you are part of god's family that means you god is our dad and therefore nobody comes in here and messes with god's what family there is a, 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 an intimacy we have to the Father. There is a, a, a connection we have. There is so much love, so much intimacy, that this is not any organization. It's God's family. There's a second image given in the Bible, and I want you to see this one so clear. Not only are we called God's household, we are also called Christ's body. Christ's body. In 1 Corinthians 12, 27, he makes it very clear that we, that now you are Christ's body and individual members of it. Ephesians 5, 30 says we are members of his body. 
This metaphor is referring to emphasizing the intimate unity that each member has to one another and to him. We are so intimately connected to Jesus Christ that the way we treat each other is the way we treat Christ himself. Do you hear that? The way we treat each other is the way we treat Christ himself. Nobody knew this like the Apostle Paul. We know in Acts chapter 9, on the road to Demaeus, God comes to Paul and says these haunting words. Saul, Saul, why are you what? Persecuting who? Me. Me. Let me tell you, those words haunted the Apostle Paul his whole entire life. Every time he gives his testimony, Acts 9, 1 Timothy 1, Galatians chapter 1, every time, and he says, and I persecuted the church of God. And I persecuted Christ himself. Friends, Listen, to the way you treat each other is the way you treat Christ. That's why God would say in Matthew chapter 25, he'd say these words. Matthew 25, 40, then the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent in which you did it to one of these brethren of mine, or even the least of them, you did it what? Unto me. You see, the way we treat each other is the way we treat Christ. And we don't see the church the way God sees it. But listen, we are so intimately connected. You want to treat, Christ, you want to treat each other badly? Well, you're treating Christ badly. You want to persecute each other? You're treating Christ that way. You want to devour each other? You're treating Christ that way. Oh, when are we going to love each other? When are we going to be surrendered to encourage each other? We'll throw trinkets at people. But to love and to care and to get involved in the lives of each other, that, that's asking too much. Well, my friend, listen, to do that for each other is to do it for Christ. And that's why God said, Christ said to John, John, do you love me? John, do you love me? If you love me, then what? Feed my sheep. Listen, to love Christ is to love his people. To love Christ is to love his people. I think I understand that. You know, in Uganda, I am surrendered to this thing. I am surrendered to the Ugandan people. To love me is to love my ministry. To criticize my ministry is to criticize me because of the love and the intimacy in which you share with your ministry. It becomes intertwined. And I think that God is so surrendered to his church. When God looks down from heaven and he sees the earth, he sees his church. He sees his church and he, and he just says, hey, these are the people that I love. These are the people 
And when he sees someone mistreat the church, he says, you're doing it to me. Friends, if we are going to see the church the way God sees it, we must understand it that the church is Christ himself. Fourth fact I want you to see, and I'm going to drop in here is this, and that the church is the most important organization in the world because it is continuously nourished and cherished by God himself. Friends, God today is playing an active role in his church. He's playing an active role. We know in Ephesians 5 again, verse 29, it says this, For no one has ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he cherishes it just as Christ also does what? The church. God is playing an active role in cherishing and in nourishing it. And I, friends, God has a special love for this church here at Grace Church of the Valley. I'm telling you, from an outsider coming in, I'm looking at all that God's doing. I'm saying, wow, what a place. Let me tell you, this man right here, he's a lover of people. And he can preach. To find those two qualities is not easy. I find so much encouragement by the art of Anna. I love, they're up here singing. You guys have been blessed. You guys have been most blessed. But listen, to which much blessing comes, much what? Responsibility comes. You guys talk about a church of a thousand, maybe a thousand members. My friend, what responsibility? You better start shepherding the, 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 the ones you have now. Because it's a big responsibility. And my friends, understand that God plays an active role even now in his church. He uses men to do it, but he he plays some role. We know from John chapter 10, for those whom he loves intimately, that God knows, I'm sorry, that God intimately loves and knows and leads his sheep. We know that John 3, 26 through 30 says that God protects and leads his sheep even to eternity. We know in John 15, 2-7, that God actively prunes and provides for his sheep. God plays a very active role even today with his church. We're going to see God's church from God's eyes. My dear friends, we must understand that God is nourishing and cherishing it even today. What can be said about the church other than the fact that is the most important organization in the world. For such attention, such care, such involvement to be given by the supreme God of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords, then this organization must be important. It must be of paramount importance. And today we, we give the church our Sundays, my friend, to be appropriately responsive to a message like this. It's not Sunday we give it. It is all week long. We are always continuously concerned with the church. And we have pushed the church on the sidelines. And my friends, if we are going to be the church that God wants us to be, we must push it to the forefront. Amen? How do we respond to such truth? The answer is we surrender our lives for the church. We surrender our lives. 
Some people say, Shannon, you're crazy for what you're trying to do. You're trying, but listen, it's the church. I'm dying for the church. I'll go over any hill. I'll go over any mountain through any dirt road for the church because that's what God did for us. That's what the apostles modeled for us. And that is what we must do for our generation. And my friends, that means that the elders should die for the church. They should surrender their lives to fulfilling their God-given biblical responsibility. And as elders, that means that you must lead the church. First Timothy 3, 1, 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. We must manage the church. We must restore the members in the church. We must live ex- ex- exemplary before the church. We must teach the church. We must shepherd the church. We must protect the church and we must pray for the church. Elders, your job is not done until you do all those things. And not only that, but you as members, you have a responsibility. You see, this church is not supposed to just be led by one. They are to ensure it's done, but we are all to be about the business of strengthening the church and building the church. Am I right? Why do we leave it to some professionals? Why do we leave it to, to some pastors? My friends, they are to exemplify and lead, but they are not to be doing the business alone. We all have a responsibility. And as members, biblically, your responsibility is to faithfully attend church, to love each other in church You're, throughout the week. That's through, everybody has that responsibility. We are to use our God-given spiritual gifts to mature the body. We are to give financially as an act of worship to stimulate and and assist this body. We are to practice our Christian discipline so that we're spiritually mature and we have something to offer the church. We are to believe and proclaim the biblical theology within the church. We're to disciple unbelievers in the world. We're to submit under the biblical loving leadership of the elders. That is all our responsibility. And if we love the church, if we are surrendered to the church, we will fulfill our responsibilities at all costs. Friends, listen, the church is dying today. The church is becoming an activity we do. And my friends, therefore, it is dying But listen, we know this world is going to pot quickly. There's only one thing that will purify it. There's only one thing that will not allow the church to be hindered. All of us, the world to be hindered. It's the church. We have a responsibility as the elders and its members play out their God-given responsibilities. Friends, if you're like me, you didn't realize that that the church is God's most prized possession. You didn't realize that the church is the apple of God's eye. Friends, let us all die for the church. That's a little radical, my friend. Radical or not, it's appropriate. Let's all use our gifts to strengthen this body that this body can impact the communities around us. Friends, us in Uganda, us little missionaries there, we love you. And we're so thankful to be a part of this body. And we consider it an honor and a privilege 